Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to Eat Pray Love on Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM. Well, mashallah, is today the 27th or is it the 28th? I need to get the dates right. Is it the 28th? Yes, definitely. I've got the dates right because I know there's two special ladies celebrating their birthdays today. The one is our programs manager, Rashida um, David. Inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you, sister. I hope that you're having an awesome day today. And the other is Sister Fatima Chand, who is also with the Jumu'ah Masjid. Inshallah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with you, sister, for all of your efforts. I hope these special ladies are celebrating their birthdays to the tea with their families and loved ones. They do so much for all of us, inshallah. It'd be wonderful if they receive the same back. But for now, Fasih is going to play a special song just for you and for all the others celebrating their birthdays today, as well as Auntie Helen Naidu. It's your birthday, happy birthday, it's your birthday, happy birthday, it's a great day, that's what we say, happy birthday. Well, mashallah, it's still being August and ra- rather the last weekend of August. We're on Eat, Pray, Love. We are celebrating phenomenal women this August. And in studio with me is Sister Thurea Najjar Philander and her beautiful mother, Auntie Kubra Slamdin Najjar. Um, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Well, mashallah, I need to say that I'm, it's like I'm looking at two mirror images because mashallah, I always, when I met Auntie Thurea a few years ago, she was the strong, mashallah, person that when she embraced you, just felt so much of love and so much of, 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 she brings you closer to Allah when being in her company, subhanallah, I have to just be honest mashallah, about mashallah. that. And when she told me about her mommy, it was like I was listening to her speak about what I see in herself. So it's absolutely amazing to have you both in studio with me. I need to say shukran so much for making this time today. Alhamdulillah. Shukran Jazeelan. It's my pleasure, my mashallah, and my privilege. And I thank you for it. Shukran. Alhamdulillah. And Kubra, I'm going to be a little bit naughty though. Okay. Okay. That sleeping that we're hearing in the background is little baby of Antithereya, mashallah. But we're going to try and do this. Antithereya, I'm actually going to ask you to give me an introduction to your mommy. Okay. Which would be the most best and befitting. Difficult. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do I asked you to give me like a small introduction to your mommy in WhatsApp. And subhanAllah, I got like such a long message. <laughs> yes, alhamdulillah. Um, my mother is obviously um, an activist. Yes. First of all, that's I think what she would want us to remember her for and um, 
And she obviously decided long ago that I think with her genes that she has, that she wasn't going to stand down mm-hmm. on that, you know, <laughs> thing that she was almost inherited with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, most of my life, I remember on a Saturday morning, I can just remember my mother sitting in bed. That was her off day. Mm-hmm. And she would be with a pen and a page and she would be writing. Wat my ma geskryf het weer die hoe Allah leen. Min om te weet later het ons uitgevinde. Sy skryf so my briewe vir die president in Amerika and she was writing letters to people like, I don't know, people in international world. She would be writing letters sy het hulle uitgeskel. If she saw something on the news or heard something on the radio, she would literally just take you know, the ball by the horns, and she would literally just sort it out. I think my mother started the United Nations long before. <laughs> <laughs> so that is quite ambitious, auntie. And I said, you know, sometimes, <laughs> mashallah, you would actually sit and decide to write letters. Would you post them off and actually send them? Of course, my mother did it. Of course she did. Why are you exposing me Yes, I used to, you know, in the, in the apartheid days also, mm-hmm. I used to write to the president to Bota, what was it, Bota, and Bota, and he was in a poster, and no, no, I was too small that time, the last one, Bota, yeah, from Bota, you know, and I used to do, just write to them and say, why, you know, and just my simple stupid ideas that I thought they could do things better I don't think it could be stupid in any <laughs> way possible <laughs> Sandy could you tell us about yourself you're originally from Cape Town yes yes born and bred here in Cape Town and you are of the Slumdin family yes, you want to tell us yes, a bit about yes, the family yes, yes. yes I will tell you about the family mashallah we recently found out our um, our family tree mm-hmm. uh, let me say uh, my fourth generation, my fourth grandfather. Yes. We traced it actually at the archives, me and my cousins, Ubaiha, Omar. We had to do something, you know, there was some property that was still registered in the name of this fourth grandfather of mine mm-hmm. and where people were going selling it off and people came to tell us and we didn't know anything what the people were talking about. But, you know, Allah knows best. And it just happened that we thought, okay, let's really find out what is happening and then one of my cousins came one friday after Juma and he said look here just go right there in that road you'll see on that ground there um, there's a for sale notice so i went you know and i took the number down and i found and yes it was for sale so i said okay it's yours but is it yours is they said yes they're selling it and so then we went to the deeds office and we found out you know and then we saw it was still registered in our father great father salamuddin's name and it was almost 100 years old. Sure. And so the people that were selling it were, they were trustees of a certain mosque, I won't mention. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, you know, I suppose thought, you know, they could sell it because they were the trust, not trustees or they were entrusted or something mm-hmm. like that. But then the family, we were so inquisitive, we wanted to know, you know, what, mm-hmm. and we scratched and we scratched and we went to the archives and we found a will that was uh, written in Dutch. Mm-hmm. That time it was Dutch. And we had to interpret it. My cousin had to get an interpreter, professional interpreter, UWC, and we had to pay a lot of money, but we were interested in finding uh, where our roots really come from. And we found out that that was the same grandfather who, who built the masjid in Claremont Main Road. <laughs> and, and, and I think... And you gave it work off, yes. <laughs> and your parents? 
my father and my mother, mashallah, are the wonderful. But I think I've got a lot of my mother's genes. I think it's running Let from mother to daughter, now. mother to daughter. Let me tell you, because my mother was, she was a mashallah. Was she also writing letters in bed on a Saturday? She was also oh, sitting she was, it. She was what? She was very intelligent. One second, Auntie Kudra, before we get, go to your uh, parents, we have a caller. Asalaamu Alaikum. Walaikum Salaam Tasneema, how are you? Alhamdulillah, who is speaking to Auntie? You are speaking to Haji Kubra, Slamdin, Najaz, one of her students when I was about 13 years old. Oh, wow. What's and your name, I Auntie? Am, and I'm 67 years old today. Oh, mashallah. No, it can't be. No. It can't be because Auntie Kubra looks like she's just entering her 60s. I was Auntie Kubra's <laughs> best student, you can ask her. Really? What's Auntie's <laughs> name? Abdiya. Abdiya, mashallah. Abdiya, I know you. I can see you in front of me. Abdiya, how are you? Mr. Ray, my sister. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, mashallah. This is so wonderful. You make my heart beat. I had to phone in. Shukran, my sweetheart. Shukran. I had to phone in. Shukran. Subhanallah. Sorry, estate. Was nog gewisse nechai? Was het die water gehad? Was het die water gehad? Was het die lachen? Was het kiezen gehad? Ja, was het zwaar gehad? Dat is er is. And we opened our madrasa there, and you were the madrasa too. Oh, in the dark. Then you should. You said, "Ik ga niet te al." Dus we moeten van de makka. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I remember. I remember saying that. You know. Listen, sweetheart. Yes. You can give your telephone number uh, of uh, I will. Our, our phone I'll do that, sweetheart. Yes, it's Auntie Thereya For the pleasant surprise. May Allah reward you and keep us going, inshallah. Let me meet again, my sweetheart. Shukran, I give for you. Okay, my darling. Salam. And your family and your family, please. I hope they're so lovely as you, eh? Shukran, sisters. Now I need to. So, mashallah, Auntie Kubra, that is quite a time travel. You remember her, mashallah. Yes, vividly. Yes. Let's go back to mommy and daddy. Yes, yes. My mother, mashallah. My father was went to war. Let me tell you the story. When I was nine months old, to the Second World War. Now when I talk like that, then my sisters say, why do you tell the people about that? Didn't you forgive your father? <laughs> I said, no. I just want to say, you know, that my father came back when I was five years old. And I was playing in the street. And this man came up to me and he picked me up. I was five years old, but I can still picture my father. And he had, you know, funny clothes on. It was mm-hmm. army clothes. And his eyes was red. And I'm pushing and kicking. He must put me down. Mm. And he put me down. And he walked, and I was watching him, and he went to our house. Mm. And I thought, hey, this man is going to our house, and I ran after him, and I heard my sister that just got a stroke now, mm. just a couple of hours ago. Us. May Allah give her shifa. Jawai, may Allah ta'ala make it easy for her. Shame. I just came from her now. We just took her to her. She was taken to hospital. And she's screaming, and she said, Papi, Papi. And then I thought, ooh, this man belongs here. And then I could only embrace my father. It was the first time I really saw my father when I was five years old. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. My mother was hardworking and the sister of ours, she uh, reared me because my mother had to work, go and work. We had a lot of other siblings and she looked after me. And she, uh, Allah, and, uh, may Allah ta'ala grant her. 
health, inshallah, and make it yeah. easy for her, inshallah, yeah. ya Rabb. And today I got the opportunity to do what she done to me when I was small. Because I found that she was on the ground, she had a stroke, she was, you know, and I could clean her the way she, I, and I just remember, just thought, mashallah, alhamdulillah, Allah has given me that chance, even if it's going to be one chance to do what she has done to me. Inshallah, may Allah grant her full shifa, and inshallah, when you go back now, Amin, ya may everything be okay. Amin, ya Rabbala, shukran jazeelan. And my mother was in the factory, mm-hmm. and I used to hear her talking about lunchtime, you know, there's a, a meeting somewhere in town where there's a man, um, his name was um, Sam Khan. And that, I didn't know, you know, it was a political meetings that mm-hmm. they used to have with the girls in the factories. And I think he was a, a communist, Sam Khan. Mm-hmm. And my mother was so intelligent. And I was wondering, why is my mother so intelligent? She knew everything and she could, was strict with us, you know, like the Russian people. Do this, you can't do that, you must. And she had such a wonderful models and she disciplined us so, mm-hmm. subhanAllah, that we never hardly looked my mother in the eye when she spoke to us. We were always looking down. Are you there? Did that carry on into your generation? I don't know. My mother tried it. Because I need to say with my mother that I think worked. I think worked. My mommy would just look. It was enough. Alhamdulillah. We need to go for a quick ad break. We're going to go in for a quick ad break and inshallah we'll be back soon. Eat, pray, love. With Taslima Ali. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome back to Eat, Pray, Love on Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM. Well, we're celebrating women this beautiful August month. And in studio with me, Sister Thuria Najjar Philander and Auntie Kubra Slamdi Najjar. I think better described as a community activist. Would that be yes. the setting, Auntie? Yes, yes. Especially Ma'am. women. I, I, Especially I women before community. before activists, I said madrasa teacher. Oh, Mad- yes. Oh, yes, oh Auntie taught madrasa? Oh, that madrasa I take teacher. for granted. That is part of my <laughs> of my life already, yes. From uh-huh. 15. From this 15 years old? Yeah, but this girl that uh-huh. found you, Abdiya? She was one of your students? They were students. one of my first students in Sari State. Yeah, we never had a masjid yet. We had the masjid, uh, the madrasa in our house. Oh, my shawl. Yes, oh, yes. still teaches up till today. I was still at school, mind you. I was mm-hmm. uh, in standard eight. That time we were standard eight. I used to come home and the house was sitting. The house was full of children waiting for me. And I had to start teaching. My brother was starting also was a teacher, but then he went to work. Oh. So I sat with him and I became very fond of teaching madrasa. And my mother was very happy. That was her wish. That was her wish that I must teach children. May Allah ta'ala reward her. So, mashallah, teaching from the age of 15 years. Yes. I never stopped. And my mother's going to be 75 this year. I never stopped. Alhamdulillah. So, Auntie Kubra, from teaching Madrasa, what else had taken importance in your life? Yes, I went uh, to Hajj with my mother when she was na- when I was 19 years old. Mashallah. We were with a boat that time. And uh, mashallah, Maka was different, you know. And we came back, and I came back to Madrasa, and we raised funds. The children, the girls, by yeah, them all, I used to make the scarves, you know. They were, they were small. Took a stick, and I had to collect for the orphanage from Habibia. You know, there was a yes. councillor, Parker, that was a, Allah Raham, he used to be a councillor. And he, um, they uh, established this orphanage at uh, Habibia. 
and we stood in town and we were collecting. It was so fun and for the children also. Is the Habibia orphanage standing that long? It's still there, I think. Yes, yeah. it is there, but I mean, from that time already. Yes, yes, that was now the 50s, eh? 1950s. I'm talking about the 1950s. Wow, mashallah. Yeah. So the yeah, same time, a similar yes. time as the brigade, auntie? Yes, 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 oh, yes, yes. yes, because my mother actually got to meet um, Maulana um, Alim Siddiqui. Yes, they was the first principal. I think she was small. She was very young at the time when she mm. met. No, I was about the Alfie house. Yes, yes. So I think that the brigade only came after Afterwards. he had visited. So but he came f a couple of times to South oh, Africa. Yeah, he visited us. So when Abibia school opened, uh, I was uh, like, uh, I wasn't ready for school, but I cried. I also wanted to go with my sisters. Yeah. And we uh, walked, you know, from Athlone right up to Abibia. And my class was under big tree. It was so fascinating for me to sit under this tree and the teacher was teaching really us was under the tree. teaching under the tree. <laughs> a beautiful tree. I don't know if the tree is still there, you know. Oh, That's a tree. Sure. And that was our class because there were no classrooms for us, you know. We, it was too full. It's so wonderful to hear about these things because obviously mm. when we look at the islands or Athlone area mm. and we see it developed, we just assume that it was always that Never. developed. It was bush, 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 yes. Rylands State was called Dwarang Dwarang Wachta. Yes, yeah, there yes. we go. Yeah, we go. But before that, at high school, Athlon High School, they, um, there I started getting away of apartheid mm -hmm. because then we, I was in standard seven. And then the matric students called us one day, you know, we, we used to still play, playtime, mm. breaking the with balls and jumping like children. Mm. And they called us, they said, Come here, we're having a meeting. We want to tell you that we're not going to go. We're gonna go, not gonna go to that Bush College now. What's Bush College? We didn't even know what Bush College was. Mm -hmm. We're not going there because it's gonna be Afrikaans, and we just want to tell you we're going to boycott or demonstrate or what. We said yes, yes, we're gonna go. We'll we'll join you. And then afterwards, uh, we told we had another meeting, and I said, look, man, we said take mother's Bush College because at least it's better than nothing. They said yes, but it's everything is in Afrikaans. So we said no, get somebody to help you to translate it because most of them were English speaking, the children. Mm -hmm. And uh, they looked at us and we said because you are jeopardizing our future in case we want to go no university here, UCT. We couldn't go. The colleges couldn't wouldn't accept it there. And they they just they talked to one each and other and they said okay you know they won't go they won't boycott the universe it was a college then Bush mm -hmm. College they won't boycott it because they were gonna put us you know in a, in the bad situation because they will close it or do something else with it so they went and Alhamdulillah today it's Universe Western Cape University so I can talk about that also I remember being fifteen fourteen and going to meetings and then I came home and tell my mother. And then she said, you mustn't, you're going to get into trouble. You people mustn't have <laughs> meetings. In the meantime, my mother was having meetings with the, with the, with the Sam Khan. They were educating them about the trade unions. And, you know, and she was so late. And, yeah, she was afraid, you know, I would get into trouble. But uh, we were outspoken from that, that age already. We had to because things were not very uh, nice for us. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Tell us a bit about your working in the community, Antikubra. Yes, yes. Can I, can I just say something? Yes. Rima, my mother also, I think before my mother started Madrasa, she was um, a vendor. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's <laughs> That's where you get your market skills from, Antikubra? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe she must just tell you a bit she about that. She remembers Because I just remember I was speaking about this incident yesterday. She, um, she said there used to be these white people mm -hmm. that uh, they used to sell to 
my mother will say what they sold. And then this one lady who would ask specifically for one particular thing because she would have that on a Sunday mm. when she would have her bath. And uh, that was <laughs> such a nice story for me. And I, I probably will remember it forever. But let my mom tell you about it. And you're laughing. Tell us quickly about <laughs> she it. She remembers all the things I told her about <laughs> this week. Yes, they were. They liked to uh, shop us because, you know, that little crash in Athlone opposite the police station? Yes. It's a crèche now. That yes. was our market. Oh, okay. That was a fruit and vegetable market. And she used to come and buy mangoes. Okay. And she'd tell me, I'm going to have this mango this afternoon in my bath. It's the best place to eat the mangoes <laughs> in the bath. <laughs> because you mess all over you now you're in the bath. I think, what is this woman talking about? I never tried it. <laughs> it sounded so silly for Not to be tried at home. <laughs> and we never had a bath because we were in Surrey State. It was something we wouldn't have. They Just all bucket <laughs> baths. Bucket baths. So we were talking about being an activist, obviously, in the community and Yes, 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 yes. You want to tell us a bit about that? Yes, you know, when, when I really started, I think it was in 1985. In 1985, I came from the madrasa I used to. Then I was married, now, and I lived here in, in Hyde Street, and I was teaching at Muir Street Madrasa. And that was the time when the children were rioting. Mm. They were all my daughter, children were all at school. They were in matric. Yeah. They were in matric. Nineteen eighty four. Yeah. And it was it was terrible, you know, it was upsetting. And we, I came uh, past this church in uh, Chapel Street. Mm. I don't know what's the name now. But um and I thought, wait man, I wonder what is what they are doing. Yeah, and I went inside and this girl came to me and her name is Margaret. She said, yes, can I help you? I said, yes. I just want to ask you, what are you white ladies doing? Seeing every night on, you know, how they are, your children are going into our townships and killing and hitting our children there. What are, what, are you happy about it? She looked at me. She couldn't answer me. And she said, oh, I don't know, but come inside. And then she called the, the priest. I think it was a priest who came up. She said, listen to this lady, what she's saying. And I think there's something spearheaded there, you know. Then she went to tell all the other ladies and she got uh, Jane Rafaeli was the very active. Oh, she was the one that really stimulated us. And she came on board and and the late um, Adele Sill came aboard. And um, what's her name? Ackerman. Wendy Ackerman. I think mm-hmm. it was the Ackerman's wife. All the white ladies came and they invited us to the meeting and I said I didn't know if they were going to take me so serious and mashallah those women I must say they really supported our children. They arranged for, for social workers. They arranged to get women whose husbands were judges in the courts. I never told it to anybody. I don't know why I'm telling it to you now. <laughs> Must I tell it? Can I tell it? Yes, it's oh. worth being to Okay, okay. So they influenced their husbands. To say, you know, mustn't walk in, how can you sentence children? They're just throwing stones. This is what's happening. We didn't know what was happening. But now we know what is going on in the townships. They are only children. They're only using stones. Why are you going with the, what do they call that? Big th- uh, things? Bulldozers and the some name, yeah. What do you call those? Caspers. The Caspers. And I don't know what else. So, mashallah, a social worker was flown from PE because there was a prison. They call it the red prison or something, where they just dump the children, 15, 10-year-old children. They just pick them up to police and dump them in that certain prison in PE. And the social worker, the, the, the ladies found out, the social worker, she flew up. And they made an appointment with this um, 
minister of police, I think his name was the, the Lachransi. Oh, he's a big uh, FD man, and we visit, went to see him in Parliament. And these white ladies were attacking him, you know, why this police doing this to these children. And mashallah, I must say, those children were all released, and the sentences were all dropped, and the children all came out of jail. So they also played a major role in support. That was my first activist <laughs> job that I did, and I think, alhamdulillah, it will always stay with me. And I think that is where the Concerned Women's Organization So we started, started the Concerned Women's Organization. They started yeah. that, yeah. Alhamdulillah, you want to tell me a bit about that? Oh, Duria. Duria wants me to talk everything today. Yeah, okay. Family secrets all out today. <laughs> Uh, they they were the they were the spearheaded ladies. I was now finished with the work. They were doing all the work now. They were, you know, we had the first uh, fundraising uh, uh, function in the Baxter. They mm-hmm. hired the Baxter. The colours couldn't just go there. This they hired it, and we had some uh, musicians from our community. Oh, they were so happy. The first time they could also play in the Baxter Theatre. And we had a beautiful, beautiful function. And they raised that money to uh, build a new crèche, which was burned down. Mm-hmm. I think in Nyanga they burned the crèches that time. So we raised money to um, make another crèche for the children. It was called the Zolani crèche. And they also then uh, had another fundraising. And they bought a house, you know, and uh, a safe house for women. And they were very involved with the woman, mashallah, I must say. Yes, my dear. Oh, I don't know, Duria is my giving me such, such a, my chest is heavy now, Duria. I'm tired now. <laughs> and Kupra, I want to ask you, though. So having served the community, not only as a madrasa teacher, yeah. but being active amongst the women in the upliftment of children and women in the community, and actually have been present to also experience um, the whole transition, the yes, coming yes, of yes, democracy, yes, yes. Um, this entire freedom that we yes, speak about. Yes. How has that been for you? Yes, that was very exciting for me because then I, I just started then. I just started feeling, you know, how important it is for women to raise their voices, mm-hmm. to stand up, you know, to speak out against injustice. And there it was when we, when Duria was transferred to Johannesburg. Okay. She, and then I had to also go to Johannesburg and we met up with a very nice uh, organization called Central Islamic Trust. And they always got invitations for, for conferences. And they asked me if I would like to go to this conference. But they couldn't sponsor me and I was so angry. <laughs> I had to go to Beijing and find my own sponsorship. I found uh, Jane. And she said, Kubra, come down, come down, come, we will see what we can do. Mm. We had a meeting in the Bismillah restaurant, and we enjoyed our lunch there, and she made a few phone calls, and she said, how much money do you have? I said, yes, I've got money, but it's not enough. Mm. How much, how much? And I told her, and she said, okay, don't worry, we'll organize the rest for you. And, they, and I went to the Beijing Conference, United Nations Conference for Women, and I didn't know where Beijing was, where China was, but I just wanted to be there because I want to go and see, fight for the woman. Mm-hmm. I felt my children suffered under apartheid. I suffered and I couldn't tell them about apartheid. It was hard for me. When my children used to ask me, Mommy, why are you standing in this queue? That queue is shorter when we go to the post office. And I couldn't tell them, like, we can't stand in that queue. My heart couldn't just make me tell them that we went beaches and the little one would say mommy why don't we swim here i said no we go to that other beach it's a nice beach there we walk from sea point 
the fourth beach. They into take the, it into the fenced beach. Is it? I don't know. Yeah, we walk. I don't know. We take mm. them. They wouldn't. Because I remember as a little girl, there was a section we'd go in, but it was fenced off. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the one little boy, or the smaller one, he said, "Mommy." They ask every time, we can't go, there's not a Muslim BJ. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, yes, my boy's not a beach for the Muslims. So um, China was very exciting for me to be among so many women of all nationalities and cultures. It was beautiful. It was uh, like a jihad for me. I was very tired when I came back because, you know, you had to fight and you had to defend. Mm. It was a conference for women. But Islam, the Muslims, they use certain, they use certain um, countries and some workshops and some Muslim professionals like professors and doctors to like, you know, demonize the Muslim woman. And I, t- I, I never knew I had that guts to stand up against a professor. She was a professor from India. She was a lecturer at one some university in America. And when she was talking so about the Muslim and the woman, oh, I thought now I must now open my mouth. So I told her, you know, you are disturbing us here because we didn't come to fight here. We, we are women. We are fighting for women's rights. Why are you talking about Muslim women? Why are you wanting to give the people here the picture that the Muslim women are suffering? We are not oppressed. I'm here without my husband. I'm here and my husband allowed me to come here but because we consult with each other no but you couldn't have come if your husband didn't give you a letter say what letter no the sheikh from al-azhar told the woman from egypt that they must and then she made the big row in this workshop and i felt so bad and this egyptian girl was sitting next to me i asked her is it true she said yes i said well excuse me excuse me it's not permission we we consult with one another i can't just Tell my husband I'm going to a conference and run. I must, we must discuss it because there's a family. There's children. The house must be looked after. So the two of us discuss it. It's not from permission. Nothing about permission. And then she kept quiet. And then the other ladies came. The, the gender issue came and they attacked this girl because she was a Muslim girl that had this workshop. Then they attacked her. What does Islam say about this? And then Islam was on the attack. Now I'm tired and I'm looking now. What can I do today? The Arab ladies are sitting there from the other countries. They're not fighting. They're not saying anything. I don't know if they understand English or what. So I said, oh, my goodness, excuse me. I tell her, will you stop disturbing this woman? She's busy explaining to us something, and this is a workshop. I don't think you must attack her like that. After this workshop, me and you and she will sit outside, and you can ask her all the questions you want. But not now. We are listening to her presentation. So she, when I looked back, they were all gone. They was actually standing by the door, you know, going to workshop, from workshop to workshop, wanting to attack the Muslim woman. So to me, you know, it was it was a nice workshop, but it, they were busy uh, uh, trying to make Islam look, you know, that we are backwards. So this fight of of the whole image of Islam and everything is something that has been going on for generations, yes, yes, I would say. Yes. But we need to take a quick ad break and inshallah we'll be back soon. The voice of the Eat, pray, love with Taslima Ali.
Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM. If you've just joined us, we have in studio with us Sister Thurea Najah Philander and Auntie Kubra Slamdi Najah, a community activist and one of our phenomenal women for August this month. Auntie Kubra, I'm going to, um, as, we, as time is flying so quickly and there's just so many interesting bits that we'd want to hear about, tell us about District 6. Oh, District 6, yes, is the heart, soul, is <coughs> our soul, the soul of Cape Town. Yes, very sad, you know, we, when we had to f- been forced removed from there. The forced removals, I think that was the worst apartheid rule that, was, uh, that they ever could have uh, made. The others weren't so bad, but the forced removals, yeah, Did you stay this disposition. In six as well? Yes, yes, all the properties of the Muslim people were destroyed, like similar to Palestine, but I think Palestine is 100,000 times worse. Mm-hmm. We were also, people were also evacuated and forced to move, and if you don't move, they'll take your furniture out and they'll tell you, you know, give you a, a certain date to be out, and, and it was terrible. Okay, we left and we bought a house in Kensington, and there we are, your children grew up. But um, then when the Restitution Act came in, which we are very grateful for, we must really be grateful and shukar for the government, the present government, the ANC government, who brought in that restitution rules. And we were very excited Mm -hmm. that now at least we can go back to District 6 because that land was never touched, supposed to have never been touched. Although we see that patches of, vast patches of, of the ground has already been disposed of. There used to be a monitorium on District 6 because it was an international problem. People internationally stood up for District 6 because this District 6 was very, very important to the tourists and to international people. So what happened was we had to fight them. We had to fight them. We claim, put our claims and everything. And all of a sudden we found out that um, we were not going to get our land back. We thought it was land. It's a land claims, land. Yes. There they now they come with, they're going to build houses and we had to sign. Yes, we are for development, but we wanted our own piece of land. We wanted our free, we had free, free land. It was freestanding. Now we're not getting our freestanding back. So it was a little bit, it's a little bit sad for us now as owners mm-hmm. that we can't, cannot get back. The restitution is not going to be just. So we are still fighting for the owners to get a just restitution. And I'm sure that the government will listen to us and that the land is still available, that they will give it back to the owners. Gee, inshallah. I mean, yeah. what, what's the story about Senegal? Because Auntie Therea mentioned Senegal. Oh, now. yes. Before the, the, the Beijing conference, that was the, the 1995 one, there was a 1994 one at mm-hmm. Senegal. It was, it was like the... A platform that they created for the Beijing conference they adopted like a, a draft okay. action plan and that and that was where we were and you know one day I had to go to the United Nations for the government conferences there was two of the NGOs in the other one and um, I didn't have I wasn't uh, accredited for that one for the government one only for the NGO one and then we just decided to I, I'm just gonna I just decided to go to this government one mm-hmm. and uh, I was sitting there and my friend was with me and she said come go in our president is also here from Sudan come in she said but there's big police you know American police say the security you must first pass through them now I had my other card on not the accredited one for the <laughs> for the government but I went through I thought my goodness 
And that was fantastic. And then I found myself sitting next to the government, to the president of of of, of, of Senegal, S- Senegal of Sudan, of oh Lebanon and all that. And there was a Yemen girl. I'll never forget her, Ibtisham. Mashallah, she was in full burger. And she she grabbed me and she said, "Come sit here." But she she wasn't very uh, well spoken English. She said, "Sit next to me." Mm-hmm. And then they attacked again Islam in that government. In that government co- uh, conference, again they attacked the Muslim woman. Again they attacked this. What are they about condoms? And oh, they were talking at the Muslims was backward, and we don't want to do this and that. And and she got up and she was excited, you know. And I wrote down to her little things in English. I can't remember what it is. And I wrote to her, asked this Arab girl, just translate this for her. And mashallah, she translated whatever I told them, whatever she wanted to tell them. That the other Arab nations clapped hands for her and said that she is a remarkable woman to have stood up for Islam and defended Islam and women's rights and children's rights in that government conference. May Allah Ta'ala grant a long life and make a strong and make more women like her, inshallah. And I encourage our girls and our young girls, our academics, please. And Kubda, that's exactly what I'm going to be asking now because okay. we've kind of come to the end of it. Okay. What, in terms of your life, in yeah. terms of your history and your service, mm. and as an educator, as an activist, as a mother, mm. as a neighbor, and as a friend mm-hmm. for women, all women out there, yes. what would be your biggest lesson to share? My biggest lesson and my biggest wish for them because I'm now in my 70s and I wish if, if I had to be younger what I still wanted to, to do I wish they could also you know start uh, uh, overcoming all the challenges that's put in front of them to, uh, to, to support women to, to support women to, to put women in leadership become in leadership positions where you can make decisions where you are part of those decision making processes uh, become involved in, in whatever goes on in your country. Don't sit back. You, you are phenomenal. Women have got the power. Women, mashallah, will bring peace. And only women can bring peace. And I'm talking about the genuine woman, the woman with the iman and taqwa. Only those are the women. And I hope that I will see you sitting there one day at the Islamic United Nations, not this United Nations that must be reformed, because this United Nations is two-sided. When the Muslims are killed and the Muslim countries are invaded, it's a small Why thing. But yes. when, you know, anything else besides uh, not being uh, referred to Muslims, it's a big thing. So I hope that our lawyers and our advocates and our professor and our ladies will one day, inshallah, find themselves in those seats where they make the, the true justice just uh, decisions inshallah inshallah well Auntie Kubra, I need to tell you I think you are a proof that from from being a young girl to teaching madrasa to excelling in the community to sitting on that Saturday mornings in bed writing letters <laughs> to the president that indeed any woman is quite capable yes. of putting her foot forward and uplifting her sisters. Allahu Akbar. So inshallah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you. I need to thank you for joining us in studio. Inshallah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant you such a full shifa. Allah bless you for still availing yourself to us. And Sister Fideya, I'm going to ask you actually, um, in closing, 
because I've heard from your mommy, what has been the biggest lesson you've learned from her that you really carry with yourself and you think you, you in turn impart to your own daughters? I don't think my mother remembers this, but one day she told me that uh, you don't need to give account to anyone for anything that you do. And I really took that up. (laughs) Of course, except Allah. And so therefore, I, wherever I find myself in an unjust situation, uh, where I feel a bit oppressed or where I feel, you know, that I need to just make a stand here. And then I just do what I need to do and I really don't have to give account to anyone. (laughs) And I'm witness to that. May Allah give one day that I see you sitting in the chair of the Speaker of the Parliament, inshallah. And that gentleman, inshallah, may he be one of those ministers there. Okay, Fasih and I have just been placed in Parliament, inshallah, with the Kubras to us, inshallah. Yes, to have a difference. We must make a difference. An alternative. And only the Quran is the best alternative for humanity. Any message to anybody out there that you'd like to send? Yes, I love them all, the family and my friends and my students and my neighbors may Allah ta'ala grant them success inshallah and bring peace to our hearts and people wherever they are suffering inshallah ya Amen. Should, can I just there? in closing because of the lady who wanted my mother's number if I can just give the number uh, that they can contact my mom on okay. it's on 082 1124. Can you repeat the number, please, Auntie Fedea? 082 And that's my mom's number. I think 24 7. I need to say shikrat so much to you, Auntie Fedea, as well as Auntie Kubra, for joining us on Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh.